I feel like the primary application uh, of every sermon should be like, behold, like the glory of Jesus. Yeah. So there's secondary, tertiary level application for sure. You know, things, you know, people to, to practice out of union with Christ, out of relationship with him by his grace. But that primary application um, that is forefront for me is like, just behold, like the yeah. glory of Christ. I feel like my job is I, I get to go through an old treasure chest, you know, and hold up some like some emerald or, you know, diamond turquoise stone and like turn it and be like look like this look at this this is incredible uh, and so uh, that brings me great joy uh, to share that joy with others hey welcome to the expositors collective podcast episode 250 i'm your host mike neglia and the voice that you just heard is our special guest for this special episode pastor heath hardesty uh, now not only is this kind of a momentous number, 250 is a, a pretty high count when it comes to podcast episodes, but um, this one, this episode is unique not only because of the numerical significance, which to be honest is more of just kind of a, a personal milestone for this podcast. I don't think it's going to impact you very much, but this is the only podcast that we've ever released that was recorded in the back seat of a car. So I thought this could be a momentous event to release such a momentous, rapidly moving episode. So uh, Heath and I were driving on the motorway or the freeway in Vermont and decided to get some of our conversation on tape for you to listen to. Heath is a theologian, a preacher, a poet, and I really enjoy every moment I get to spend with him, and I'm excited for you to be able to listen in as well. Please forgive any lack of audio quality, because as I mentioned previously, it was recorded in the backseat of a moving vehicle. All right, I hope that this episode and the 249 episodes previous to this, and however many episodes are gonna come in the future, they all work together to help you in your personal study and public proclamation of God's word. All right, hey, welcome to the Expositors Collective Podcast. I'm in a van. Uh, Heading on the I-89 South, going from Vermont down to Boston, and I'm here with my new friend, Heath Hardesty. Heath, how are you? I'm great, Mike. Did I pronounce your last name right? You did. All right. Well, we're friends, so I should, friends. I should know this by now. You know that. <laughs> um, Heath, uh, who are you? You're not from Vermont. Uh, what's your context? Uh, where are you serving? Uh, I'd love to get some of that out of the way before I ask you about your first sermon. Yes. All right. So I'm from Colorado originally, born and raised a town called Longmont, lived most of my life there, and about 13 years ago, moved to the East Bay area of California um, to pastor a church in Pleasanton, California. I live in Livermore, which is a neighbor to Pleasanton, and so yeah, East Bay area. Nice. Well, my friend and colleague, Nick Cady, pastors a church in Longmont, California. Yes, that's so. right. Whitefields, right? That's right. Yeah. That's right. Well, okay. So, hey, Heath, what was your first sermon like? Where Did you preach your first sermon in Longmont? What was your first sermon? How did it go? Bring us into that moment. Yeah, so this takes us back to about 2008. I believe it was the summer 2008, and it was in Loveland, Colorado, okay. which is just north of 
Longmont, Colorado there um, at a small, small church there. Got connected with that church through a friend. They needed a pulpit fill. Okay. Uh, it was during the summer and my name came up and somehow I got um, chosen to do it. Yeah. And uh, it was a wild experience. It was my first time preaching in yeah. a church. Um, I had done devotionals and other talks at um, various places, universities and things, but I had never filled a pulpit in a church. And so it, um, it, it was a wild experience. I mean, uh, I wish I had exposited the text okay. Um, okay. much better than I had. Uh, it was Romans 1. I believe the title is something like um, uh, Our Unpopular Worldview. I was doing a lot of worldview analysis and was okay. trying to play on that, like just lean into like this upside down nature of the kingdom. Yeah. Um, and, and so uh, unfortunately, it was probably more philosophy and, and Soren Kierkegaard than it was St. Paul okay. uh, from mm-hmm. Romans. Mm-hmm. But um, I remember loving it and remember being nervous like crazy. And then laying in bed that night, going, well, "What in the world did I just do?" Okay, yeah. So it was a was it a Sunday morning? Was it an evening talk? Uh, they had an evening service. Okay, mm-hmm. Sunday evening. Yeah, it was a church plan. I think it was one or two years old. Yeah, and they were renting out another church, and so the service was in the evening. Oh, is that right? okay? Yeah. So, so you okay? And when you laid in bed and thought it over, you were thinking, "What am I? What have I done?" And was that in like a? what have I done? I can't believe I've, I've reached this pinnacle of my life. Or was it like, what have I done? I really mishandled Romans one. It was, um, you know, how did I get here? Okay. <laughs> um, and it was a sense of like fear, trembling and joy. Yeah. It's like the gravity. I felt the gravity of it okay. afterwards. Yeah. But I also felt the joy of doing it. Um, and knowing it was a first step and wanting to go further, but <laughs> knowing like, okay, I got a long way to go. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Wonderful. Well, so what what year was that? Or rather, how how old were you then? Well, that was that was summer of two thousand eight. Okay, okay. So. so since then, like, how have you grown as a teacher or a preacher? Is is Kierkegaard still prominent <laughs> in your exegesis? Uh, well, you know, in those things that I put within the sermon itself. Yes, I would say he's in there every now and then. But that's you know a cultural reference. Um, uh, philosophical bits and pieces, you know, sociological bits and pieces as well, you okay. know, to to engage those who are listening and to to tie it all into the human condition and the human experience. So, so those pieces are in there, uh, but I sure would <laughs> hope that Kierkegaard would never take front, <laughs> yeah. front and center. Okay. Yeah, I you know, expositing. I n- I now know um, much better what it means to exposit, um, and, and I think I have sharper tools. Okay, in expositing. Well, let's let's pause there. What what does it mean to exposit? Like you said that your first sermon, you wish that you exposited better, and then now you said you finally understand what it means to exposit. So, what does that mean? What's what is expository preaching? Yeah. Um, so. I, I pray that I did honor the text, but it floated freely and, and it did get to Christ. Uh, he was the point of the sermon, um, but I, I don't think I showed how that text fit in with a larger story, um, how, how the flow moved. I don't think I, I really honored the logical flow of the text itself, kind of working through it verse by verse and drawing out the, the authorial intent okay. that was in it. Um, it served more as a springboard for some things that I wanted to say rather than letting the text breathe and speak through me by doing the proper exegesis and then exposition, putting it all together to deliver it to the congregation. Okay. And how did you figure that out? Who showed you or did you get coaching or mentorship? 
Um, I, I'm an avid reader, so I was doing a, a ton of reading. Um, and, and at that point, I had a lot of new influences come into my life through different pages of different books. Okay. Um, and so I got introduced into um, the, the sphere of exposition through a number of those authors. Um, a lot of reformed um, authors at that point were, okay. were speaking into my life. And so picking up on how those texts were, were taught. Um, I, I did have some some mentors as well. A, a great friend of mine, um, he became my pastor. I was his intern for a while. His name's uh, Pastor Tom Hovestall in Longmont, Colorado. Okay, and uh, he really helped bring me along. Wonderful. Okay, so what are some things like? It sounds like you used to, or at least on that first one, really focus on worldview analysis and those types of things. Like, do you still do that? Is that prominent, or is it in the background, or is that just? You really, you know, not part of your job description. Yeah, well, I think there's um, beautiful uh, apologetic ways to engage the congregation, find the emotional resonance to, to tap into their their experience uh, of life. So it, we need to be faithful to the text, but we need to be faithful to the congregation okay. um, as well. So as I'm thinking through and planning sermon series and running those by the pastoral team, we're thinking through how the Lord's leading us, where our congregation is at, what's happening in the world, but not letting uh, the the world drive the agenda of the pulpit, but having the pulpit speak into and care for the world. Uh, so worldview analysis, um, cultural understandings, throwing in those references to various um, studies, different um, spheres of knowledge. Uh, those, I think they're important, Yeah. Uh, but they need to undergird um, the text and then they need to, to serve um, the glorification of Christ within the sermon. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Can I, yeah. So how, how do you do that? Or for the listeners that are listening to this, like there's some people that are, you know, like, like the Carl Truman's or the Mark Sayers, you know, of our, uh, that they just seem to just get it. And I, I listen to them or I read them and I, I just think, Oh golly, wow, that sounds true. But I, how on earth do I see the world that way? How do I notice those patterns? How do how do you do that? Yeah, um, that's a great question. Uh, I, I guess let me start with like desires and, and longings, um, like hopes and aches. Okay. So trying to be attuned to those uh, within myself um, and then um, looking out at the world and, and trying to understand the desires and hopes and aches and longings of, of others, uh, which manifest in, in, in all the different experiences that we have in the world. So trying to to not ask, you know, what are people experiencing, but maybe why they're experiencing it, like yeah. the substructures underneath the surfaces of things. And I think that takes just a lot of pondering, walking around, thinking, yeah. reading conversations with people, getting in dialogues, asking them of their experiences um, and trying to get get beneath the, the surfaces to those um, deep structures uh, of the heart. So then the gospel, so then you can bring that in and let the gospel minister to those deeper areas of the soul. Okay. And so, yeah, thank you. So it's, again, it's not like there's the experts and they're the ones who tell us how the world works. And then our job is to read those books and then say those things. It sounds like you're saying that like, just with some thoughtful self-analysis and others analysis, you're working towards it. Yeah. And I think so much of um, the pulpit um, is is prepared for and and cared for by being with the people and knowing the people. Um, so knowing your context and knowing your congregation. We, so we live in the East Bay area and it's a very affluent area. Uh, 
there's a ton of PhDs. We have Lawrence Livermore Labs, uh, Sandia Labs, uh, engineers with, with multiple PhDs because of the, the tech industry. So um, getting to know um, how they think and why they think, you know, understanding our context is, is super important. So you're not just talking to some general, you know, audience out there. You know, you're talking to people that you know who had um, a very um, certain experience of life. Okay. 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 What's it like preaching to people who are smarter than you? <laughs> oh man, uh, my my first um, week there, it hit me like how many um, of these people that I was speaking to had had all these degrees, were super smart, um, and and all these different disciplines. You know, and I had literally just come off the plumbing truck in Colorado. I okay. Mean, I, okay. Before I was a pastor, uh, I was a plumber, and um, and I thought, okay, here's this blue collar guy coming in, talking to all of these people who are just savvy, um, kind, smart, and doing really well. Yeah. Like, you know, what are they going to get from me? You know, or, or will they listen from me? And the congregation was incredibly kind. Yeah. Incredibly kind. They put up with a lot (laughs) throughout the years for sure. They've been very gracious to me. Um, and they've helped me along in the journey. Okay. But yeah, it was totally intimidating. Okay. (laughs) I, I should also say too, I asked that question as if I don't also preach to people who are smarter than me. And, uh, you know, for, for, for the members of Calvary Cork who might listen to this, you guys are smart too. <laughs> you guys are smart too. Um, okay, well, okay. You know, thanks for kind of bringing us in on that, and I, I do appreciate that. Um, so what? Th- those are some things that you maybe have started to do. Is there anything that you used to do when you were younger, in your early days of preaching, that you've been like, whoa, I'm so glad I stopped doing that? Like, what's, some, what's a mistake you used to make that you're consciously not making anymore? Hmm. I mean, I'm sure there's a number of things. You know, the, the way I use uh, my tone, pitch, pacing, yeah. you know, have, have certainly developed. Um, I think I might have been a little more um, manic or anxious with body posture as I was uncomfortable. You know, like it took a while to, to find, uh, like we were talking about earlier, like, like my voice, but also like my, my rhythms and just, you know, how my body, uh, functions, so to speak in the pulpit. Um, so there's, there's those things. Um, I I feel like now though I was captivated by, by Christ when he, he radically um, changed my life. Um, and so those early days there was that, that zeal and that passion, but I feel like there's been a deepening, um, appreciation for the beauty of Christ. Okay. And so, um, I feel I, I I hope what would be experienced if somebody went along the journey with me that yeah. that there would be a greater sense of the beauty, the majesty of Christ that is coming through, like a greater sense of worship in the pulpit, rather than kind of uh, just uh, information transmission, yeah. but but rather worship, um, and we're holding uh, up the excellencies of Christ. Yeah. 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 From the the short time that I've got to sit under your preaching, uh, you you I experienced you as somebody who was enjoying Christ in front of me, you know? And and I was invited in to like see the beauty of Christ that you were not just communicating to me, but like experiencing on the spot. And like, yeah, I don't want to call that out and I appreciate that. And obviously work work goes into that, but then it probably seems like, it, it looks to me as if it's effortless. <laughs> well, good. Uh, well, that brings me a lot of joy to hear that because uh, I mean, 
I love love my job. I'll do the quotes when I say job because um, it's it's amazing that I I get to do this. Um, I, I love being able to study the word and and then bring something to the congregation. So it is it's a great joy, you know. And uh, I feel like the primary application uh, of every sermon should be like behold, like the glory of Jesus. Yeah. So there's secondary, tertiary level application for sure. You know, things you know people to to practice out of union with Christ, out of relationship with Him by His grace. But that primary application um, that is forefront for me is like just behold, like the yeah. glory of Christ. I feel like my job is I, I get to go through an old treasure chest, you know, yeah. and hold up some like some emerald or you know diamond turquoise stone and like turn and be like look like this look at this this yeah. is incredible uh, and so uh, that brings me great joy uh, to share that joy with others uh, well and it really is it really is contagious you know again I'm not I wasn't watching you enjoy Christ like your enjoyment of Christ was causing me to enjoy Christ and that, I think that's a that's a that's a definition of a good a good sermon uh, well thank you <laughs> And okay, uh, what happens behind the scenes to get ready for such an event? So essentially, I'm asking kind of like, what's your sermon preparation like rhythm? How how do you make it look so effortless and easy when you know we all know and everyone who listens to this show especially knows that it's the it's a lot of behind the scenes yeah. work. Oh no, I, I sweat blood behind the scenes for sure. Um, I, I'm I'm super slow on on the uptake, so I have to like steep in it all week long, okay. like the whole Saturday night special thing, like not happening. Yes, yeah. it's, it's not going to come across well. So um, I start on Monday morning and open up uh, with the text in my study, and I sit with the text. I pray through the text. Um, I, I diagram I, the, the words that pop out. You know, okay. um, I, I pray through that and try to find um, where where the Lord's leading with that. I mean, there's a general idea as you sermon series plan, you know, weeks, months ahead, because yeah. you break up the text and into the, the right portions, the right segments. Um, but actually, you know, ground level getting into the texture of the text uh, happens Monday. Okay. Um, and so I'm, I'm in it most of Monday, um, trying to seek uh, what the Lord would have for the congregation. Uh, do a lot of my word studies. Um, after all that, then I'll dig into commentaries later in the day. Um, and then come Tuesday, it's it's Team Tuesday, so all staff, uh, pastoral team, service planning, a lot of meetings, and it, it's just the sermon still percolating in the back of my brain. Yeah, writing, it's like my writing Wednesday. Okay. I sit down and actually kind of cut across on, yeah, on Tuesday. Does anybody talk to you about it, uh, or is Tuesday like you're planning? On Tuesday, you're planning the upcoming Sunday, and are you saying, "Hey, I've been thinking about." John chapter eight, and I've been thinking I'm going to say this, or is that just kind of internal? Yeah, sometimes and conversations will lead into it. Okay. We'll talk, you know, service planning a little bit about the um, where I'm going with the sermon, but primarily it's logistics. That's what I that imagine. Point. Yeah, yeah, just the, the other stuff. Exactly, all the surrounding stuff for the service with the team. Mm-hmm. Okay, sorry, to interrupt. So oh, Wednesday yeah, yeah. is it Wednesday. writing Wednesday? Right, yeah, writing Wednesday. You yeah, know, sit down and, and try to to write the, the at least like ninety percent of it out. Uh, I manuscript mine. Not because I want to read it from the pulpit, but that's the way I'm wired. If I write it, then that's how it gets encoded okay. in me. Yeah. Um, like the physical act of either writing notes with my hand or typing. Yeah. There's just something that, about the tactile nature of it that helps get it into me. And then I can see the text. Yeah. Uh, and then I will, I'll, I'll read it aloud while I'm writing it and yeah. do editing on the fly as I'm doing that. And then hopefully I have a, a good percentage of it um, come the end of Wednesday. Thursday, I'll jump into it uh, again. I have a lot of meetings usually on Thursday as well. And then by Friday morning, I hope to have 
um, a version that I can do another edit, you know, get the, the slides ready to go. Then Saturday is Friday night to Saturday night is my Sabbath. So I just let it breathe. Don't okay. touch it, get some distance from it. And then I get up early on Sunday morning, about 4.30 or so, and I have it in my calendar to have breakfast with Jesus. Okay. It sounds a little bit cheesy, but it, it helps me to like say, no, I'm going to spend the time um, with, with Jesus over breakfast, lay the text out before me, it's printed, and then I shred it. I ask the Lord, is, is there something that needs to be cut? Is there something that needs to be added? Like, speak to me, Lord. Because um, I'm in, a, I'm in a, a different space on Sunday morning than I am the rest of the week. And so um, I'm praying through it. Okay, awesome, awesome. How significant of like surgery takes place on <laughs> on Sunday morning over breakfast? Mm. Are you is it is it are you tweaking words or are you cutting paragraphs? Uh, it it depends on 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 the week and how well I've listened. <laughs> um, there's some weeks where it's it's just I'm changing some words, um, editing a few bits and pieces out. There's other weeks where it's like that is not landing okay. or something's off okay. and I will rewrite uh, an ending um, or I'll move some pieces around or I'll add some things in um, and it looks like chicken scratch on my notes when I go up to the pulpit on yeah. those Sundays. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's not clean. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. That's that's one of the reasons for me, like I'm not interested in like preaching from an iPad or preaching from a, a screen of any sort. Like there's got to be that tactile, yeah. you know, like the markings that I've made on that page, you know, yeah. I think there's something like what you mentioned on, was it writing Wednesdays? You're, you're using your hands. Uh, I think that's a, it's a special thing. Obviously there's, there's great advantage to technology that I love and we're on technology right now, you know, however, um, I don't know. It's just good for our body and our brain to write things out. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I absolutely believe that preaching is this like, like full embodied experience. Yeah. Right. We're, we're fully embodied beings and like every fiber of us is created for, for his glory. So to be able to sit and write and take a walk and ponder and eat, you know, and then you know, drink yeah. some good coffee through yeah. the process and um, like it's... It's it's all part of it. I, I live in a specific time in a specific place. You know, my home is my home. My church is my church. The the food that I'm eating that we it, it's all part of it somehow. Okay. You know? So I like that Sunday morning over breakfast to really kind of uh, bring it all together, pray through what needs to change, and then head to church. Yeah. Well, the the way you're describing it, it sounds it sounds nice. It sounds unhurried. And um, for me, I I would get about the same time on Sundays and some at my worst at my worst it's like oh man Sunday's coming oh you know gotta gotta finish this thing and that's 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 bad um like it's that's that's the worst time to be like finishing it it sounds like for you it's kind of finished on you know Friday and then tweaked and like finalized you know like I'm 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 scrambling to finish it but you're like in a relaxed way, finalizing well, it. Well, that's my ideal week. There's uh, a lot yes. of weeks that are not so ideal. They're okay. a lot more real than ideal. Yeah. And then raw. also, he, that, that's my worst <laughs> week too. I, I have plenty of ideal weeks too. Yeah, but <laughs> you know, some weeks, I mean, just life, life happens, and things, things do get very raw. Whether it's you know something um, in my own family life, or there's. You know, there, there's a funeral or, mm -hmm. or a wedding or just a lot of pastoral counseling that has come up that yeah. needs to happen or just teams, team stuff. You know, we're, you know, we have a, a good sized church and team. And so there's a lot of things that need to get done. 
um, you know, like we're in a, a season right now where we were looking at the vision for next year and doing wrapping end of the year stuff up. And yeah. So there was a lot of leadership team logistics stuff that had to happen that really crunched my my week. And to be honest, the last two weeks, um, the sermon didn't start on Monday; it started more on Wednesday. Okay. And that does create more of a, an anxious feeling, which I would not prefer. Yeah. Okay. Well, hey, maybe as like the the final question, like. So Heath, how are you trying to, to get better? And that's actually a two pronged question. Mm. What are the areas you're trying to improve in? And then what are you doing to improve in those areas? Like you, you're a man I know who is like, you're, you're committed to improvement. And so what are those areas and how are you, how are you trying to do it? So, um, I, I guess like long-term planning to get a little bit more ahead in, in our sermon series yep. planning, um, and that's not just simply for, you know, better, better graphics or things and like getting everything coordinated, which out certainly will help with all the church yeah. communications, obviously yeah. the congregation and then your, preparing your graphics the team. do look good, by the way, <laughs> your John series, part one and part two, looks great. Oh, that, that goes to, uh, one of our fellow pastors, Jared. He's awesome. Uh, it does a great job with that. Um, so thank you. I'll let him know you said that. Um, but trying to plan out, uh, longer, uh, just to give us some more runway to think through things and to pray through things. And my hope is that then what I can do is then each week I could study at different altitudes. So for instance, mm. I can, I can study at the 30,000 foot altitude wow. for a series coming down the road at like the 15,000 foot altitude of like the next series coming up yeah. and then, you know, on the ground for the week of, cause then that will allow me for whatever that next sermon series is or three months down the road to be in those texts longer and let, uh, let my brain and heart steep in those yeah. for a longer amount of time. Um, so hopefully there, there's more richness uh, and then it allows for more conversations with my team and friends to talk through those texts and it's not just week to week to week. Okay. Yeah. So you're trying to do that, but you're also taking steps towards it. Is that right? Yeah. Well, um, I'm trying to take steps towards it. I, I okay. feel like we, we just got an executive pastor who's, who's great and that's really going to help with the, the planning and preparation process. Take a few things off my plate yeah. so I can actually do the hard work of thinking. Mm. Um, sometimes mm. I felt like I just can't sit and think I have other things to do. It's yeah. like, no, I, I need to sit and think and dream uh, and pray and then talk with people about these things. Yes. Um, and so that's what I'm working towards is a little bit more of that margin in my week to have time to think, dream, and pray. Wow. Wow. Okay. I'm going to push back. Do it. Why do you need, why do you need time or margin to think, dream, and pray? Can't you just do it while you're doing everything else? <laughs> well, I mean, God's, God's grace has been amazing to, um, allow it not all to fall apart, even the yeah. crush of everything that's, uh-huh. that's been, been going on. But, um, I, I guess for me, I, I would love to bring more of who I am, a healthier who I am to the pulpit. Yeah. Not simply, um, just again, like the sermon prep itself. Um, so the more I can think through these sayings of pray and operate in an unhurried fashion, I think I'm going to bring a more restful, um, deeply engaged with the text, joyful, uh, pastor okay. to the front. And so, um, I, I think it's uh, a needful and good thing. Okay. Okay. Maybe. Does that work? Does that, yeah. does that answer your question? Uh-huh. And here, here's maybe a final, final, final question. So in, in your teaching, you have like, um, like almost like a, a serious yet playful attentiveness to words and phrases mm. and 
you know, like uh, someone paying attention is going to notice that like even your quick passing comments are thoughtful and deep and like multifaceted. Where does that come from? Yeah, well, that comes from a word that I'm uh, obsessed with, which would be mirth. Okay. Um, and there's something about mirth that there's there's like a gravity to it, but a levity all at the same time. It's yeah. this beautiful paradox. Um, you know, so I think of writers that I love, like like Lewis and um, Chesterton, and, and there there's a, a sense of depth and majesty, but there's a sense of playfulness and, and joy. Okay. And so that's something I um, admire and I find captivating about about people, about texts. And so, um, I want to, I want to exhibit that. Yeah. And, and so, um, the, the craft of it is really important to me. I mean, I love, I love poetry. I was a literature major and I, to me, words have like, like tastes or feel. Okay. So, um, I, I work on those, try to find the right tone. Wow. Yeah. And, and you probably can't come up with those clever, mirthful, observant, pithy little sayings if you're starting on Friday, like, <laughs> yeah. th- that's sort of thing that probably like upon reflection, upon yeah. steeping and thinking, that's when you're able to, 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 to coin these phrases or highlight these, these things in a beautiful way. Yeah. You know, I, there's a fair bit of poetry about, um, the sermon for me and I look at the scripture and look at the proportion of scripture that is actually poetry, a rhythm and cadence and attention to words and tone. Yeah. Um, uh, because it's not just like function, there's, there's form, uh, right? And yeah. the sermon should have a form. I want it to have an arc to go from attention to, you know, a, like an unhealthy tension and dissonance to an integration and a healthy tension. So there should be an arc, but the words themselves carry weight, carry meaning and make people feel things. Yeah. Um, and, and so that takes time. Like, I don't, I don't think a a really beautiful poem is just like banged out really quickly. Usually like it takes meditation, steeping, re reworking things. So, um, that's, that's the way I'm wired. And, um, yeah. Well, Heath, thank you for your time. It's been a, it's been a, a mirthful conversation. (laughs) I, I would hope. It has been mirthful, and these trees are all afire here in Vermont. It's gorgeous. Yeah. So what are we? What are you looking at right now? What are we seeing? Uh, we are seeing um, a, a wall of trees on both sides, and now a, a large ledge of rock. It's gorgeous. Yes. And the back of Darren's head, and the back of Dane's head. Thanks, guys, for turning off the air conditioner, and thanks for being so quiet. Also, I want to give a big shout-out to James Reitmer, who is the editor of the Expositors Collective podcast, because this audio is going to be terrible. (laughs) And so he's going to be working hard to make this as listenable as possible. So, James, thank you very, very much. Uh, We appreciate you. And uh, to the listeners, I hope that this episode and all that we do Expositors Collective helps you to grow in your personal study and public proclamation of God's Word. Thanks. Yeah, thank you so much, James. Thank you for your hard work of editing less than ideal audio. And thanks to you who listened to this all the way to the end. Uh, We appreciate you. And whether this is your 250th episode that you've listened to, or if this is your first one ever, um, I hope that this is one step closer to achieving your goal of really honoring the Lord with excellent and faithful Bible teaching. If you're new to the show, feel free to skim back our back catalog. Uh, There's some great stuff from Frederick Dale Bruner, John Tyson, Susie Silk, Brian Broderson, Nick Cady, 
and on and on and on. There's a lot of treasure for you if you want to scroll back through our old episodes. Okay. And as I always say, I hope that this episode and all that we do at the Expositors Collective helps you to grow in your personal study and public proclamation of God's word. 